Chapter 13 of What Happened Then Stories. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jen Broda. What Happened Then Stories by Ruth O. Dyer. Hop o' my thumb. What had already happened? There was once a poor woodcutter and his wife, who lived in a small gray cottage on the edge of a forest. They had seven boys whom they never allowed to go alone into the forest, for it was rumored that a giant, who was also an ogre, lived where the trees grew the thickest. When the youngest boy, who was a tiny lad, was just beginning to walk, his chief delight was in jumping over his father's thumb. Because of this, his father called him Hop O' My Thumb, which, you know, is a shorter way of saying, Hop Over My Thumb. This name clung to him, and as he did not grow rapidly, it was very appropriate. Hop O' My Thumb was very bright, even though he was small. In fact, he was so much brighter than his older brothers that he was usually the leader in all their games. Now the woodcutter and his wife had lost almost everything they had, and were so poor that they did not know where they would find food for the next meal. One night Hop o' my thumb heard his father and mother talking. I am very much afraid that our children will starve if we keep them here, said the father. I have heard, said the mother, that to the south side of the forest is the giant's house, but to the north side is the home of a kind old fairy who takes all the children and baby animals she finds in the woods and cares for them. If we take our seven boys to the north side of the woods and leave them, she will find them and care for them until the spring comes, when we can again plant our garden and raise something to eat. This is a good idea, said the father. Tomorrow we will leave them near her house. Hop o' my thumb did not much relish the idea of living in an old fairy's house. He much preferred his own father and mother and the gray cottage. So he crept out of bed and went down by the brook. Here he filled his pockets with small pebbles. The next day, as they walked on through the forest, he dropped the pebbles on the way. The children always considered it a picnic to go with their parents into the woods, so they played and had great sport while their father and mother went on farther to gather sticks. But as the hours passed by and their parents did not return, the oldest six boys began to cry. Hop o' my thumb, however, was very confident that he could find his way home, so he comforted them by telling them that as soon as the sun set, he would show them the way home. Just as the sun began to sink below the horizon, he said, Come on, brothers, these old woods will soon be dark. Let us go on home. It was not hard to find the way, for the pebbles guided them safely, and just as it was getting dark, the boys came in sight of their home. There was a bright light in the window, and Hop o' my thumb said, Let us steal up very quietly and see what father and mother are doing. When they looked in at the window, they saw that their mother was crying and their father was trying to comfort her. If I had only known, she said, that you would find these rabbits on your way home, I would never have consented to leave the children. But, argued the father, 
these four rabbits will last but a short while and we should have to take the children to the kind old fairy sooner or later i too wish they were here to-night but as they are not we will have to make the best of it here we are mother here we are shouted the boys as they rushed into the house what a happy family they were the mother cooked the rabbits and they all had a regular feast but alas with such a hungry crowd four small rabbits could not last and the next day they were as poor as ever again the parents decided to lose the children in the forest so that the kind old fairy would take them again hop o my thumb heard them talking as the door was locked there was no chance for him to steal out of the house this time so he went to sleep determined to get up in the morning and get a good supply of pebbles but hop o my thumb's day in the woods had tired him out and he slept later than usual in fact his brothers were all up and dressed when he felt someone shaking him and saying get up we are going into the woods to gather sticks when hop o my thumb opened his eyes he saw his mother standing over him with a small slice of bread for his breakfast it took real heroism for him to put the bread into his pocket instead of eating it for he was very hungry but as he had not provided himself with pebbles he must have something to mark the way and bread crumbs would answer the purpose again the father and mother led the children into the forest hop o my thumb lingered behind the others and here and there dropped a crumb along the way the other children half suspected that their father and mother would leave them in the forest but they were very confident that hop o my thumb would find the way home so they played hide-and-seek among the trees and were not at all worried when their mother and father were out of their sight oh see what i have found shouted hop o my thumb as he pushed aside the grass and showed a nest full of partridges eggs the boys built a fire and cooked the eggs then what a feast they had there was one egg apiece and nothing had ever tasted quite so good to them as night came on hop o my thumb said come on boys it is time we are starting home so off they started but they found no crumbs to guide them the birds had eaten them all and the poor children could not tell which way to go if i could only see over these trees said hop o my thumb i could tell which way to go why don't you climb a tall tree asked one of the brothers as this seemed good advice hop o my thumb accepted it and climbed a very tall tree which reached far above the others north east and west he looked and then south in the south he saw a bright light which looked as if it came from some great building i see a bright light which comes from some house he said as he slid down the tree trunk i do not think it is our house but it may be the house of the kind old fairy suppose we go towards it it took the boys a long time to reach the house but at last they knocked at the door which was opened by a strange-looking woman what do you want my children she asked we are seven brothers said hop o my thumb and we are lost in the forest can't you let us come in and stay all night do you know whose house this is asked the woman it is the kind old fairy's house isn't it said hop o my thumb indeed no said the woman 
it is the giant's house he is not at home just now but even though i am his wife i must confess that he is very cruel and i am afraid for him to see you the boys were very much frightened when they heard this what shall we do they all asked if you turn back you may meet him said the giant's wife i think after all that the safest thing is for you to let me hide you in the house so the woman let them come into the house and gave them some hot broth and crackers which they enjoyed very much then she hid them in a large closet and left them the poor children were so frightened that they dared not move they were even afraid to breathe naturally for they did not know how acute the giant's sense of hearing was at last they heard a great stamping and roaring and then a great voice thundered take off my seven-league boots i have walked far to-day hop o' my thumb peeped out through a crack in the door and saw the giant sitting in a huge chair his seven-league boots were beside him and his wife had gone out to prepare his supper if i only had those seven-league boots said hop o' my thumb to himself i could get home in a minute by and by the hot fire made the giant very sleepy hop o my thumb waited until he was snoring so loudly that it shook the house then he whispered to his brothers creep out very quietly so you will not awaken the giant i will follow you and get the seven league boots out from the closet crept the boys through the door and on into the forest hop o my thumb seized the boots and followed his brothers he found it very hard to travel with the boots in his hands for they were very heavy but he dared not stop to put them on until he was some distance from the giant's house when they were a safe distance away hop o my thumb put on the boots and a step or two brought him home he waited outside for his brothers and they all went in together the mother and father were very happy indeed to see them for the house seemed very quiet without the children when hop o my thumb showed the boots to his father and mother they said but what use will they be to you my son oh replied hop o my thumb i can now be the king's messenger the next day he went to the king's palace and the king was so delighted with the speed with which hop o my thumb could deliver his messages that he gave him much gold for his services and hop o my thumb his mother father and six brothers never knew want again hop o my thumb what happened then although the king made it possible by his gifts of gold for hop o my thumb's family to live in comfort still the mother said we never know what may happen and as i have once known the sorrows of poverty i prefer to have some means by which i can always earn a livelihood i shall keep a few bees and if i am ever in need i can always have an income from the honey which they produce hop o my thumb often visited his home and his frequent visits were great holidays for the family for he always told pleasing stories of the happenings at the king's palace one day when he came for his usual visit his mother noticed that he had but little to say and that he sat alone thinking which was very unusual for him at last much to the family's surprise he left them abruptly and went out and sat among the bees he played with them in an aimless fashion letting some crawl on his hands and some on his face while he talked to them 
intimately as if they could understand. I wish I were a bee, said Hop-o'-my-thumb, touching the wings of the bee lightly with his lips. Then I would not be in all this trouble. He felt that he must talk to someone, and as the bees seemed much safer than people, he said, You see, little bee, the king has a beautiful daughter whom I love very dearly, but I am only the king's messenger, and I cannot hope to win her. Yes, you can! Yes, you can! buzzed the bee. Much puzzled by the bee's reply, Hop-o'-my-thumb asked, How can I? Go through the gate and over the long hill by the graveyard. Keep on until you come to a narrow river over which there is a bridge with one loose board. Sit on that loose board until a horseman comes riding towards you. When you see him coming, stand up and wait for him to speak. I need not tell you any more now. You will know what to do from that time on. Hop-o'-my-thumb got up and prepared to go. Wait, said the bee. Put me in your pocket. Also the bee that is crawling on the ground at your feet and the bee that is buzzing at the door of the hive. The boy followed all these directions and started on his way. He went through the gate and over the long hill, past the graveyard, and on and on until he came to a narrow river. Over this river there was a bridge with one loose board on which he sat and waited as the bee had directed. Soon the sun began to go down in the west and daylight was fast disappearing. Just as the first stars were coming out in the sky, Hop-o'-my-thumb heard the clatter of hooves on the hard road. Soon he saw a man approaching, seated on a large white horse. The boy stood up and waited for him to speak. The horseman stopped several feet away from the lad and said in an angry tone, Why do you stand in my way and retard me in my journey? Do you not know that my errand is a very important one? Hop-o'-my-thumb made a low bow and said, I did it to save your life, my dear sir. Had you gone over the bridge at the pace you were riding, your horse would have been crippled and you would have been killed, for there is a loose plank in the bridge. On hearing this, the horseman's manner changed completely, and coming up close to Hop-o'-my-thumb, he put his hands on the boy's shoulders and said, Perhaps you would like to go with me and help me, for I shall doubtless need help. Where are you going, and what is the task with which I am to help? asked the boy. Then the horseman told him that he was on his way to the king's palace. The king had three great grievances, and to the person who could remove the cause of these grievances should be granted the dearest wish of his heart. My dearest wish, said the man, is to win the princess and this will, of course, entitle me to half of the kingdom. If you will come with me and help me, I will give you as much money as you can carry, for I am sure to win. And what are the king's grievances? asked Hop-o'-my-thumb. That, said the man, we cannot know until we reach the palace. So Hop-o'-my-thumb got up on the white horse behind the horseman and rode on to the king's palace. They rode all night and all the next day, and just as the sun was setting, they came to the first gateway of the king's palace. Here they were met by a guard who inquired their business. I have come, said the horseman, to learn of the king's grievances and to remove the cause of them and thus gain the dearest wish of my heart. At the next gate, said the guard, 
you will learn of the king's grievances. So they passed on through the first gate and rode up to the second. Here they were met by a guard who inquired their business. I wish to know what the king's three grievances are, said the horseman. They are very three serious grievances, said the guard, and there are only three more days in which they must be corrected. The king's country is to be taken from him by a rival king unless he can show himself more clever than his rival. The rival king has made a small house which contains fifty rooms. Every room is separate and distinct, yet the whole house can be placed in one of the large rooms of the palace. The king desires to construct a small house with one hundred rooms, which can be placed in even a smaller space. That ought to be possible, said the horseman. Of what material is the house to be made? It does not matter, said the guard, provide it fulfills the other conditions. The second of the king's grievances is less simple than the first. The king is a man who uses all of his time to advantage. There is in his kingdom a counsellor who bores the king with his long visits. He wishes this counsellor's visits to be less frequent and shorter. The third grievance is this. The king has on his face a small mark which cannot be cured unless a very fine lance is struck into it so that no blood will come, but the centre of the mark must be reached. There is no lance fine enough for this, which fact makes the king very sad. The horseman looked puzzled when he heard all this, but said that even though the task seemed difficult, he would try to rid the king of these grievances, and he started to ride on through the gate. But stay, said the guard. Should you try and fail, you will be banished from the land and never allowed to return. Be it so, said the horseman. I shall not fail. I have come to win. Hop o' my thumb believed thoroughly in the horseman's power to win, for such self-confidence must be rewarded with success. On and on they rode, through beautiful avenues shaded with luxuriant trees and bordered with beautiful flowers, and at last they reached the palace. Here they were admitted to the king's presence. The king appeared very blue and disconsolate, for he had only a few minutes before banished from his kingdom the nine hundred and ninety-ninth unsuccessful candidate, and he was beginning to lose faith in ever being able to find one who could succeed. He offered but little encouragement to the horseman, but gave him comfortable quarters while he was on trial, and cautioned him that there were only three days left in which to accomplish the purpose of his visit. By the time he left the king's presence, the horseman had lost some of his self-confidence, but he went to work at once to study out some way by which he might succeed. Hop-o'-my-thumb watched him closely as he worked away on a small lump of plastic clay. From this the horseman had hoped to be able to make a house of a hundred rooms, so small that it could be placed in one of the smallest rooms in the castle. But as the third day was dawning, he gave up in despair and said to Hop-o'-my-thumb, Come on, comrade, we might just as well leave here of our own accord, for these three demands are impossible. No, said Hop-o'-my-thumb, I am the king's messenger, I cannot leave. Besides, I have determined to make a trial myself. Do just as you please, said the horseman, 
whose patience had become threadbare with close work. I am going to leave now. So leaping to his horse, he rode up to the guard and announced that he was quite ready to leave the kingdom. The task imposed was an impossible one. When the horseman had gone, Hop o' My Thumb took the three bees from his pocket. They were much cramped from their long stay in such a small space and flew around the room several times before they settled on the boy's hand. Try, 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 they buzzed. Do you really mean it? asked Hop o' My Thumb. Why, I don't even know how to begin. We will help, we will help, they buzzed. There are three very hard things to be done, said the boy. I will build the house of a hundred rooms, said the first bee. I will get rid of the king's counselor, said the second bee. I will furnish the lance with which to pierce the mark on the king's face, said the third bee. You have only this one day in which to work, said the boy, for this evening when the sun goes down my time is up. Put us out of the window and see what we will do, they all buzzed. So Hop o' My Thumb opened the window and away flew the bees. The first went straight to the garden and buzzed from flower to flower. Then he flew to the king's beehive and held a long buzzing conversation with the bees there. Soon they were all busy as busy could be, and before sundown they had made one of the most beautiful honeycomb houses you ever saw. In it were one hundred rooms, and on top of it was a slanting roof decorated with dormer windows. It was so small that it could be placed on the king's table with ease. As the day wore on, Hop o' My Thumb grew impatient. The sun was not far from the western horizon when he began to pace up and down the room and wonder what he should do. A short while before sundown, he heard a buzzing which attracted his attention. On opening the window, he found the first bee. Come to the garden of lilies, buzzed the bee. There you will find your house. Take it and present it to the king. Then the other bees will show you what they can do. The boy was much pleased when he saw the beautiful honeycomb house, and he made haste to take it to the king. The troublesome counselor was with the king, and his majesty was not in the best humor. But when he saw the honeycomb house and realized that the cause of the first of his great grievances was removed, a part of his good nature was restored. Now, said Hop o' My Thumb, I am ready to rid you of your second grievance. Just then the second bee flew in through the open window. It flew straight to the boy who took it and said to the counselor, Whenever you come into the king's presence, you shall be tormented by this. And he put the bee down the counselor's back. The man lost no time in getting out of the room, I can tell you. At this the king laughed heartily, and it was easy to see that he thought the boy was very clever indeed. Now, said Hop o' My Thumb, I have a little brown doctor who will lance the mark on your face. Just close your eyes, and all will be over in a second. The king closed his eyes, and in through the window came the third bee. It lit on the king's face and pierced the mark with its sting. When the king had consulted his mirror and found that his face was now as it should be, he demanded of Hop o' My Thumb what his dearest wish was. My dearest wish said Hop o' My Thumb, is to have your daughter for my wife. Your wish shall be granted, said the king. 
So the princess and Hop o' My Thumb were married, and they lived happily ever after. End of Hop o' My Thumb